Welcome to To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Rachel Lyon to explore the latest in global cybersecurity news, trending topics, and industry transformation initiatives impacting governments, enterprises, and our way of life. Now, let's get to the point. Hello, everyone. Welcome to To The Point Podcast. We're coming back after a week-long hiatus, and I'm raring to go. Uh, Eric, my co-host, is here with us. How are you, Eric? What you been doing the last week? I haven't talked to you in forever. I know it's been a week without you. It's. Uh, I, I don't think we're going to gap the podcast, but I'm just going to warn the listeners right now that you are on steroids or something, high octane fuel. I don't know what to call it, but we're ready to go. Who do we have today? I am so excited. I, I, know I can't you even are. tell you for this for this conversation. I'm going to try to temper myself. Um, we have best selling author of the book Roar: How to Tame the Bully Inside and Out. Uh, she is founder and CEO of Roar Coaching and Consulting, Marilise de Villiers. Villiers. <laughs> you got it. You got oh, it. I was so close. Go with it, Rachel. You're uh, good. Joining Confidence. Us today. Welcome to the podcast, Marilise. Thank you so much, Rachel. I'm so delighted to be here. Now, you have an amazing story. I mean, I, I think I could talk about you the whole podcast, but, um, you know, I, I love that you kind of, uh, we talk a lot about self-care, kind of um, mindfulness, and, and you walked away from a pretty big career in, in a big four consulting firm to start your own business, Roar, which I, I love this on your website, turn thoughts, feelings, words, and actions into your four superpowers. And I think this is amazing, especially when we think about everyone in the cybersecurity industry, they need tools for success. Can you can you tell us more about your Roar blueprint, how you came up with it? Yes. Yeah, so it was very much um, a case of leaving a corporate job that that burned me out and right. because of a bully at work. Um, initially, I thought a bully, but then as time passed and I was doing the inner work to, as I said um, earlier, to come back yes. from the dead, yes. um, it was very much a case of recognizing my inner bully and then recognizing how it was really a lifetime of you know, self-doubt and self-abuse, yes. as I call it, which has really influenced my behaviors in the workplace and really just sent me on a very, very um, cathartic journey, you know, especially when oh, writing wow. the book. Yes. Um, some things that I've put in my past, which I thought I'd dealt with, I had to sort of reopen um, those cans of worms. Yes. And as, yes. as you're writing, you're thinking about it, these emotions, these feelings are coming up, right? Yeah, it's, it's a terribly, uh, you know, like um, it's a very, I said cathartic experience already, mm -hmm. but it's it's really quite hard because what you do is essentially you rip those plasters off yes. and you, 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 you open them and you kind of put salt in the wounds. <laughs> but that's necessary to sometimes yes. really um, uh, bring out your best self. And that's really why I'm so passionate today to help people live their best life. And that's really what the blueprint is all about the raw blueprint it's a it's a blueprint for living your life on purpose in your power and with the courage to speak yes. your truth to, yes. to roar <laughs> no, no, Marilise what that. do you mean by in your power so for our listeners help us understand that Okay, so in your power, so if you can imagine you and and really your personal power, and I sort of always sort of touch my my sort of gut area because it's really about you know digging. I always say digging deep, yes, <laughs> and really finding that um, inner strength and that courage 
um, to speak up, to roar. And, and that comes really from your mind and your body and your breath, you know, which is really how everything hangs together. So you can imagine that your thoughts and your feelings and your beliefs, so I call it my inner game, you've got to really develop that mental stamina every day and then yes. of course your physical stamina which are your words and your actions which is really then about how you show up as your best self every day okay you know it's interesting i was uh, i joined the army at 18 the u.s army and they used to teach us to speak from our diaphragm but they would say speak from your belly and and, and you, yeah. you think about it, and to this day i'm getting yelled at by everybody because i'm very loud <laughs> Uh, but I learned that early on and you, you talk about touching your belly almost as a, I'm assuming a, like almost a physical reminder of, Absolutely. of, of that projection. And it's, it's, you know, as you said that I just went, I went back to being an 18 year old private in basic training where they're <laughs> teaching you to, to speak like that, but yeah. you carry that with you. And, and if you, if you look at how a lion roars, they also roar from the, from there. Yes. Really, yeah. really deep down in their diaphragm, it's it's incredible. It's incredible to watch them actually um, roar as well. So, yeah, obviously with my my, my South African um, heritage and uh, you know just just the whole essence of what I'm all about, you know, roar just seems so perfect for for me. I think it's great. The, Im the image on your website of the, of the woman in shadow with the lion shadow coming off. I, I think that's absolutely great artwork. Thank you. My cousin yeah. um, actually designed that. He's a professional uh, you okay. know, uh, graphic Love designer, yes. um, illustrator in, in Cape Town. And uh, oh, wow. when I decided to write the book, I knew instantly that I wanted him to do the artwork for, work for my book. Um, and, and so it's also the cover of my book. Right, wow. right. So I think this is a great kind of a segue, though, too. When we talk about, you know, this last year working from home. Um, and I think it's taken a toll on a lot of people, right? That's extreme change in how we work. And I think a lot of people are also at a crossroads, you know, kind of in life and they love working from home, but you know, they, they, all these other things going on and, you know, having like a raw blueprint or like a tools, you know, we talk a lot about resilience, you know, and, and, and how do you kind of move forward with success? Um, you know, kind of what, are, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, kind of how the last year has played into this and, and just the, the benefits of having a toolkit like this. I mean, let's just face it, I think the, the whole world is having a mental health crisis. You know, I think it's just absolutely everything was just completely taken out of our control. And I think that's, right. the, that's the sort of essence of what happened over the last, the uncertainty, the fact that we just didn't know what was going to happen. And the first phase of COVID was very much, a, a, you know, sort of a, Resilience for us was very much uh, adrenal adrenaline response, like a quick fix response. We kind of yes. thought maybe six months down the line, this will all be away. And then, of course, 12 months later, we're still in a situation and we have 15, yes. 16 months <laughs> ongoing. Yeah. I mean, no, it's it's really difficult. Yeah. Yes. So there's there's a third wave and we don't know if there's going to be a fourth wave. And, and all of that anxiety builds up and it's sort of, if you don't have the, the reserves in your tank to cope with that, and I call that something is something deeper than resilience, I call that mental and physical stamina mm -hmm. because that's the dig deep piece, right? right? So if you don't have that, you are going to run out of gas, you're going to run out of fuel. Um, I mean, and if, if, you use the, if you use the cell phone or mobile analogy, you, will, you won't, 
ever let your phone go beyond like 30%, right? Right, you'll, right, you'll, right. You'll plug it in and it will charge. So why not recharge your own body and why not refueling your own body, but also your mind? So we all yes. talk about physical exercise, like, you know, obviously nutrition, my nutrition and my physical exercise is my number one priority. I call it my non-negotiables. But yes. the mental stamina, you know, the inner size, <laughs> we, yes. we have to really get around. And I think I, I have to say the last 12 months, uh, 16, 18 months, um, the mental health conversation has really catapulted yes. and it's normalized a lot. So we yes. see a lot more about it, which is really encouraging. Yes. Yes. But, you know, it's it's not taught to the same extent. I mean, in, in the States, at least, we have physical education, gym class that's taught from early on, where you're at least taught something about the physical side. There aren't as many classes or, Rachel, you look like you're disagreeing with me. No, no, I'm just I'm soaking it in. I'm thinking. I'm respect. Yeah. There, there's, you know, mental health isn't taught in the same way. In, in fact, no. I would argue some people, some kids they never have any access to it. Like if you don't have insurance, and even if you have insurance in the States, and I only speak to the States, Marilise, which is what I know well, it's still really expensive. Yeah. And and really difficult. It's 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 mostly unavailable. So you're right. This is what you need as much as that physical, that nutrition, that dietary, the, you know, the the exercise to clear the head. You need the ability to control your mind too. Yes. Absolutely. And I, it's one of my biggest bugbears, the fact that my kids are not taught these life skills um, at school and uh, why I'm also in the process of early stages of designing a rule for, for young adults, because oh, I do I think that, that um, you know, the conversation about how the brain works and, you know, the impact of stress on the brain, because I think that for me is the bit that really fascinates me is how I know as a young girl how my brain was actually altered as a result yes. of trauma mm -hmm. and how right. that then led to an, a heightened stress response, which then I took yes. into my adult life and um, into yes. the workplace. And it sort of transpired as really high levels of anxiety, yeah. which I just didn't understand until about three years ago until I wrote right. my book. <laughs> right, you know? right. And that's, it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, it's, I, and I kind of think of the headlines recently was that Naomi Osaka, the, the tennis player who opted out of the media interviews for, I think it was the French open and, and, uh, ended up, you know, kind of withdrawing from the tournament, uh, because it's, it's almost like this dirty word too. It's like, you're not allowed to say like, I'm really stressed out. I'm really exhausted. You know, I don't want to show any weakness, but I think everyone feels that way right now. And like, you know, they literally just don't have a toolkit on how to manage it and actually kind of turn it around into this fuel and power for yourself. If you just know how to kind of frame it. Right. And yeah, I just think this is such an important conversation right now. I mean, I have to admit Last week I was off and for this first time in, I don't know, 20 years, I actually turned my phone off for two whole days, two whole days. I had it off and I didn't check like five. work email. Yeah. But I mean, it was accomplishment, those, but think about that. Two days you got 40%. I, I know. I mean, that would have been, I wouldn't, I don't know if I could go three, but it was like, I feel like this minor accomplishment, you know, like this serious win and I could tell what a difference it made, you know, and, and just kind of shutting off for just that little bit of time. And I, and I think, um, 
you know, having more of these conversations of folks on how to to find those little wins for themselves, right? To kind of bring yourself back from the brink is really, really important, especially in security, because it's such a high stress job. I mean, kind of, uh, have you worked with folks in security, Marilise? Kind of uh, any observations there? Oh, absolutely. Last 10 years, my, my specialism has been uh, in cybersecurity. So I've done a lot of work and it's, it's, it's crazy because it is absolutely one of the most stressful environments that I've ever been yeah. in. And it's um, no wonder that the average tenure of a CISO is, I think, anything between 18 and 26 months, you yes. know, because they just yes. burn out. Yes. You know, Rachel, I want to pick up on something you said, a couple of things that you said, which are two tips because you've talked about, you know, tools and tips. So yes. um, before we kind of move on and immerse ourselves into cybersecurity, I just want to pick up on two things you said. The first thing was um, about, um, you know, acknowledging that mental health conversation and acknowledging when you have a mental health problem. And I always say, and, and, and I absolutely, you know, um, I think I think the press and the way they've handled that whole situation is just shocking. You know, I, I just... I'm not going to go into that now, but it's okay not to be okay. So that's the first thing I wanted to say, you know, and I have said it to people so many times. It is okay not to be okay, especially to the men out there. (laughs) You know, we don't always have to pretend we know all the answers and we're strong and we've got this. And, you know, if, if, if you're really having a tough day, Take someone into confidence. It's okay not to be okay. And then um, the other thing that you said, which I absolutely loved, is to celebrate small wins. I think that was the biggest lesson that I learned recently in sort of preparation for my TED Talk was really that after 42 years, (laughs) I've still not learned how to celebrate small wins. And really the little things are everything. And if you really just change your mindset, you reframe your mindset, you can see all those little miracles in your everyday. And then then the gratitude comes and the appreciation comes and suddenly there's a switch. And I think that's so important. Why why do you think it's so difficult to recognize and celebrate those wins? Because you didn't have the background learning how to do that growing up or, or something else? I think it stems from the the sort of deep-rooted, and I call it my inner bully. Often people call it the inner critic, Mm -hmm. you know, the inner villain. People call it different things, but I call it my inner bully, which is really the part of my brain that tells me that I am not good enough. You know, not pretty enough, not smart enough, not clever enough, never enough. And I think think that's age, uh, you know, age-old conditioning that, um, you know, I was probably born with to an extent, you know, because right. we, we sort of bring these things um, over into sort of our, you know, over lifetimes. But I think it's it's really important at the end of the day to to recognize, you know, that conversation that you're having with yourself. Um, I think often, you know, the, the most toxic relationship that people will ever be in, a lot of people will ever be in, is the relationship with their, themselves. Yes. And then yes. you start believing all those lies, you know, and I think that's where yeah. you we've got to really work on interrupting those patterns, those negative spiral spiraling patterns to, yes. to actually rewire. And that's what my raw framework is. I have a four-step raw process, mm-hmm. which is really to interrupt. So recognize, recognize the thought, yeah. catch it, observe, 
So, you know, separate yourself from the thought because you are not your thoughts and your feelings. And then you assert, you create a new thought, which is a, a more empowering thought. And you then redirect, you, you redirect your thoughts towards those more empowering thoughts more often so that it becomes new beliefs and yes. empowering beliefs, right? Yes. And so the raw process that I developed, the four-step raw process applies to conversations you're having with yourself and it applies to conversations that you have with others. And, and you found that, that that builds up over time, I'm assuming, confidence yes. in yourself. You get better at it. It's, it's like anything you do, the more you practice, the more you do it, the more natural exactly. it comes, the better you become, and, and therefore you know, the better you are in life, right? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. And, and, and that's when it goes from, you know, just a, um, a, a belief in, into a habit, you know, so you have yes. to really practice right. and practice and practice. So the difference between a behavior and a habit is that a habit is just automatic. It's like yes. how you, you get in the car and you drive off. You don't think about how you're actually going to drive off. You, you know, you brush your teeth every morning. You don't think about how you're brushing your teeth. But mm -hmm. it takes so much repetition and so much practice, and especially to undo and unlearn bad yes. habits because they are so automatic and so wired in. Um, and especially the older we get, the harder it gets then to yes. unwire bad habits. So if, if you're working with cybersecurity companies then, and, and let's assume some of the clients have bad habits and you're trying to, is the word, would the phrase be rewire them <laughs> or, or, or change, get them to, to look at things differently? I mean, how, how does that yeah. work? So, so when, you, when you look at changing behaviors in the workplace, um, especially embedding, so, so the whole premise of my work is, is embedding secure mindsets and habits into organizational cultures. So this is about um, adopting a set of secure behaviors that really become part and partial of the way we do things around here, our DNA. So typically, it's, it's first of all, defining what does good look like? What are those good behaviors, those four or five good behaviors, security behaviors, and, and of, of course, we want to link that up with the security culture of the organization, the overall culture of the organization, so the, the values of the organization. So really defining what good looks like and then holding people to account and measuring those behaviors. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's not so much, you know, it's the what you do, it's the how you do it. So people will only change if they want to change and if there's good enough of an incentive to change. Right. And so the way we approach it is really important. It has to be a hearts and minds approach. Okay. And, and then I mean, when, when I talk to InfoSec personnel, when I talk to the, you know, the cybersecurity people I've dealt with, I mean, they're guaranteed, the adversary has all the advantages, right? They only have to get through once. We've talked about it a ton on the show. So you're guaranteed to fail in the traditional sense. I, I love what you said about what does good look like? Like yeah. it's almost, how do you redefine success knowing that you will never be 100% right? you know, 100% efficacy rate. It will never be perfect. And I don't think we talk about that enough. I don't think people understand that enough in this side of the business. Right. Like, you can't win. Winning has to be, unless you redefine winning, winning has to be defined as 
how do we block the majority of the bad stuff coming in? And then how do we deal with the, you know, once once the adversary's in or once we have a problem, how do we deal with it? And, and that's the absolutely where the people component comes in, where people become critical and where people can become your strongest defense. So you're no longer relying on technology, you know, because people break the technology. <laughs> but it's right. about how people are empowered to then speak up, to roar <laughs> as quickly as they know about something. So either they suspect something or they have done something but the key is that they feel empowered and unafraid to then say something's happened and the quicker we know the quicker we can then do something about it and that's really where I think more of the emphasis has to be it has to be that business resilience conversation so yes yes, the bad guys are already in the system (laughs) we just have to make sure they don't get to the crown jewels so how do we how do we minimize the impact and I I think it has to be a combination of people processes and technology you cannot ignore the people elements right Agreed. So, so when you meet with organizations, Rachel, I can't wait, wait to hear this answer. When, when you meet with organizations and you talk to them about this, what percentage are surprised or what, what percentage are, we absolutely understand and agree with that and we're aligned. I mean, what do you, what do you find? So I, I think people, people understand this stuff intellectually, conceptually. And so um, I might be very controversial in saying this. Um, there are lots of there are lots of people who really get this, but I would say more often than not, I don't, I don't want to put percentages to this. There is very much an intellectual conversation happening around. We know this is important, but because it's culture, because it's people, it's too hard. Right. So mm-hmm. we kind of we ignore it. Um, or we, we create solutions that are easy, like fishing, fishing simulations and things that are just really quite tick boxy. Right. right. Check the box, compliance driven. Yeah. I, I was going to say, as you were saying that people intellectually understand it, I was going to, I'm relatively controversial, not as bad as Rachel, but I'm close. Um, just kidding. But I don't think organizations understand it at all. I, th- I think they like the check boxy. It gives them something to report on. It gives them something tangible. And a lot of exactly. this just isn't tangible. No. And it, so this, this is where I'll get a little bit controversial with you, Eric, because I do Let's think do it. it's more tangible than people believe it is. So you can measure culture. You can measure behavior. You can measure mm-hmm. the effectiveness of those things. But the problem is that people don't set up um, from the beginning, so they don't create a visible a strategy, and you know it comes back to that: what does good look like? Right. What are the five top behaviors that we want to embed in the organization? Let's define those behaviors, and let's agree how we're going to measure those behaviors before right. we start implementing solutions. Right. What is the what is the problem we're trying to solve here? What are the risks we are trying to mitigate? before we jump into solution mode. So my question back to would be, how many organizations out there have got a three to five years culture strategy for embedding secure mindsets and habits into their organizational culture? Rachel, greater than 5% or less than 5%? What do you think? 
Yikes. See, she doesn't, Marilee, she doesn't like the confrontation. It's absolutely uh, less than 5%. <laughs> I think, I think you're probably right. I, Especially I, I, larger I, ones. Yeah, definitely. Because it's hard. I mean, I think to, to the point, right? It's very hard. And, you know, it's like we talk about security. You can't go back and retrofitting security, right, at, at the back end is, is very hard and complicated and expensive. We do it all the time. I can't I tell know, you how many conversations <laughs> I have about about risk or I, 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 I'll yes. ask a question, you know, help me understand your desired outcome. Right. And it's almost like I asked this advanced mathematical, you know, calculation because people, well, well, I want to buy X. No, but what problem are you trying to solve? What is your desired outcome? Right. And then it's almost like somebody's reading the marketing slick sheets back to me of either myself or, you know, our business or our competitors. It's, it's really hard. It's a difficult question for people to grasp sometimes because I think, Marilise, to your point, culturally, we're not programmed. We're not wired that way. So, so I will just give you a little bit more um, in-depth uh, explanation. So the approach that I developed, so I published research in 2013. Um, so this is like plus uh, seven plus years ago now, which was with the Information Security Forum. And the research was called From Promoting Awareness to Embedding Behaviors. So it's let's move away from awareness approaches, tick box approaches, to actually what does it take to embed secure behaviors um, secure by choice, not by chance. So that was kind yeah. of the very lengthy title of the report. So I still use that approach today, but essentially it's a risk-based approach and it's a very collaborative approach. So essentially you don't develop solutions without people having skin in the game, without people being consulted and you really understand the business, right, outside of cybersecurity. Um, but the risk-based piece is absolutely critical because that's where you're going to look at what is the data telling us, where are the exposures, and then we're going to actually get really quite um, clever about how we actually design our solutions because we have level one, which is very much applicable to everybody in the organization. So that's really all the engagement and communications that will give you that baseline. Right. Then okay. you have level two, which is your targeted intervention. So this is where you have higher risk audiences, where you've got to give them something more than just the baseline. Mm -hmm. So they need additional skills and capabilities to perform their roles securely. So that might be like a, a sysadmin team or yeah. somebody like that, as opposed to somebody in marketing or finance. Exactly. But you've got to do that analysis and properly mm -hmm. do that analysis to be able to then know what solutions are applicable to which audiences. Yeah. And then level three is where the behavioral change happens. So I, I call it moments that matter. So you can call it um, high risk touch points, but it's essentially those critical moments where people interact with systems and data, where their decisions can either make or break the organization. So right. they have to make the right decision in order for the company to be secure, right? So whether that's five, whether that's 10, whether that's 20, regardless, on the, uh, I mean, depending on the complexity of the organization, but what are those moments that matter and what are those level three type interventions, which is really going to move the needle on culture? And this is also, that level three layer is also where you typically have your leadership interventions where, you know, leadership play a critical role 
in setting that example, yes. in sponsoring security culture, because we know that leaders cast a very long shadow in the organization. Mm -hmm. yes. So if they mm -hmm. behave securely, others will follow. Basic, basic principles, but yeah. when it comes to execution, we really fall down. And then I guess the other area that I always promote here is champions programs. Yes. Really yes. looking at, you know, what role can champions play in translating security into the business functions that they work right. in to make it real for people. Right. So, yeah, so that's like level one, level two, level three. And that's normally how I develop the strategy, the three to five year strategy to say, these are the types of solutions we've got to implement, but it's going to take us time. And even right. after five years, we're still going to keep going at this. It's right. never going to go away. Right. And, and organizations, you know, there, there's transfer, people move in and out of positions. I, I think it's really difficult because they don't have that that institutional memory to understand right. why we set something up. Exactly. You, you know, when we started, how we're doing. And, and I think the persistence to continue through major yeah. cultural changes. Three to five years today is a long time for an organization. Yeah. It's very, very long. And I think that's the, that's why it's so important to bank right. the wins on the way and to demonstrably evidence as you go along and to have, um, you know, the, the sort of succession planning in place so that you don't lose that. You, yes. you don't have that brain drain without having the retention of the knowledge. And that comes back to your culture as well. You know, if you, if you have an engaged, loyal workforce, you know, people will go out of their way. They will go over and beyond to ensure that yes. before they leave the organization, that there is that, you know, retained knowledge and experience. Yes. Um, but that very much comes back to the organizational culture and whether actual people care about it. Right. Rachel, if, if, if we go back just a couple of years, two or three, when, when you were starting in the business, uh -huh. if, if you entered a company where you had a, a culture or, a, you know, a team or leadership where they, they taught you how to understand what good looks like, really feel good about the small victories, feel good about yourself, learn how to handle the, the, the losses, right? When, when, mm -hmm. when you don't win something, how do you think that would have shaped your career or changed your mindset? Well, I, I honestly, I, I feel like I've actually been lucky to have a lot of that throughout. Oh, you're my a career. horrible example. You had Sorry, that. I'm so a terrible how example. Did it, had well, let's change the question. Then. How did it shape your mindset? Well, because you, you, you know what you're working towards, right? I mean, you, you kind of have this, um, not only did I, you know, it was a clear expectations of, right, this is what look good looks like, but there were also model behaviors, I think, to, to Marilisa's point. You know, there were the champions there that I was fortunate to get to work with as I was coming up. So I learned good behaviors early on. Uh, and I was fortunate to take those with me to companies where there weren't good behaviors. And so I was able to kind of impart those, you know, to my team or the folks that I work with. And then you go to another company and there's great behavior. So I learned some new skills. And, and so it kind of went back and forth throughout my career. Um, you know, but I, I recognize you can tell when people don't have that. And it's very hard because everyone, I think, just yeah. wants that clarity. Like you, you just want to know. So, hey, I did a good job versus, you know, um, thanks for showing up to work today. You know, I mean, you, know, it's like right. you want something a little more tangible. So you had that. Yeah. Fortunately, Good. yes, I, I was very fortunate. 
yeah. And I think people thrive on that sort of specific, yes. tangible feedback, whether it's good or bad. It has to be very specific. And also, what what do you expect them to do differently? And it's normally the difficult feedback that's hard to give. Yes. And um, the specificity in that sort of de- detailed feedback um, is is hard when it's not positive feedback. But I think it's so important. People thrive on the feedback. Um, good or yes. bad, and of course, if it's not great feedback, you you you've got to ensure and and um, reassure them that they are supported, yes. and that you yes. will help them um, develop the skills or whatever is required to to, to develop the the skills. But I think it's um, really really key to, to to create that sort of um, I call it high support high challenge environment so you've got to Mm -hmm. use high challenge high support in equal measure as a leader as a liberated leader Mm -hmm. so you know the I think what I see a lot in security functions cyber security functions is high challenge with virtually no support (laughs) yes yes (laughs) that's where you get the burnout that's really where people are completely like at their wits end you know hanging by a thread uh, about to snap well, and I think a lot of people are just so overwhelmed because of the amount of sheer the sheer amount of work, the the lack of people in the in the yeah. positions to fill them. So people are doing more and more and more, yeah. and they don't have the time to give the feedback. Not that it's right. a good excuse, right? Right. Yeah, but you're it's just hard. trying to stick, keep your head above water, right? You know, just doing all you can, and it's hard to to take the time to do the other. But when you can make the time, and you could. I, I've seen the difference it makes. You know, you see the high-performing team, you know, the, the managers giving the feedback and really, t- you know, taking the time for the one-to-ones every week and really giving that time versus the ones that aren't. And, you know, by and large, the ones that aren't getting that are leaving the company or, you know, or leave the company and move on to other things because they need that. They they crave that. And, and if you don't get it here, right. right, they say you leave managers, right, not companies. So you're going to go somewhere where you feel like you're getting that fulfillment. And I think I think the any any leader, my challenge to any leader is that developing your people has to become your highest priority. Over and above everything else, you must prioritize developing your people. Because at the end of the day, people are the only uh, you know uh, differentiator, the only competitive advantage yes. you have. Let's just face it, right? I right. Love well, it. the Especially people make the products. The people right. sell the products. The people support the customers. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. People who are motivated and happy and care, it, and it just makes safe. that whole cycle. I'm sorry. And and, and people who feel safe. So um, yes. there, was a, there was a study done by Google. Um, they did a study for their teams, and they looked at uh, what are the sort of the, the, the top five things you know that the teams need in order to be high performing and psychological safety came out at, yes. on top you know so team members and um, wanting to feel safe to take risks and to be vulnerable in front of each other right. that was the number number one priority and, and that wow. is so difficult to convey because yes. we can't guarantee jobs and theoretically in cybersecurity at least I'll speak for the industry I know well there's so many job openings, you can always get another job. If, if, right. if you make a bad decision and somebody fires you or, or you don't like, you, you can always get another job. So it's relatively mm-hmm. low risk. Yet I still see a ton of resistance to leaning forward, to taking big, making big bets, to, to right. taking huge risks, which is what we need. Right. 
Absolutely. And, and, and I think it's back to how do you feel? Do you feel safe? People, right. you know, they don't want to make a mistake. And, and often, so this is what makes culture change so hard. And especially when you're a security function um, with an ambition to embed secure mindsets and habits, um, you cannot do this without the support of the business because you are so dependent on the culture of the organization overall. Um, so if the organization does have a culture where there's a fear or there's consequence management, right. you know, we have no chance as a security function to actually embed those secure mindsets and habits because what are the number one behavior that we rely on is if you suspect it, report it. Right. So if what, why would someone report something if they're going to be blamed afterwards, if they're going to be, right. you know, be let hang out, hang out to dry. I think, you know, it's the saying, <laughs> I might yeah. get that very wrong. This is where my, my second language creeps in sometimes. And I say things which I don't even know exist in English. <laughs> no, we're, we're fully on board so far. Yes. Good. Yes. <laughs> hang out to dry. Is that the thing? Is that the same? Yes. Yep. Yes, yes, it is. That's great. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I think it goes true. back, Rachel, help me, but I think it back to laundry, right? <laughs> They're going to like hang you up on the line and I'll, I'll look it up after the show today, but, but I'm with you. I know exactly what you're saying. Yes. Sorry, yes. you're missing the serious point I'm making here, which is really about people can only, we can only influence culture if the overall organizational culture is conducive. Yes. To right. secure behaviors, right? And how many times uh, are we trying to go at it alone as a security function? Yes. So the engagement for us in terms of holding the business also accountable, you know, engaging with HR and comms and training and development and all those key stakeholders that can really help and support us, that can become our biggest champions. Yes. How much are we doing to actually win their hearts and minds when we approach right. a big program like this? No, I love that. And it's, it's important conversation, I think, to have now, too, right? As we talk about the implications of security and business today, they're, they're so interconnected. Um, you know, they, they can't be separate functions today. So it almost it is like a wholesale shift in thinking of, you know, when you look from the top down of, of how you approach business today and, and thinking, you know, with security kind of integrated throughout, you know, um, every aspect of the functions. And that's and that's really why. Yeah. So if I if I if I look at Roar and and what I'm all about, I always I always say I tackle it top down and bottom up. So yes. the whole thing is, you know, I work with the individuals to empower the individuals to um, to to find that inner strength and that confidence and that courage to speak up. Yes. But also work with leaders and HR to create cultures that are safe and inclusive. So that people can thrive. Exactly. But the two have to work together, right? Right. They, they have to, because if not, you will get less out of the employees. They will be less satisfied. You'll exactly. have less, you know, more turnover, increased turnover, more yeah. friction in the business, and you're just not optimizing the exactly. business. So I, I did look up quickly the phrase hung out to dry. <laughs> it comes from laundry. You know, it, it, it's it's traditionally looked at as to be abandoned or left behind. And it comes from you would hang your wet laundry on the line, the clothesline. Right. And you'd leave it there for hours in the sun to dry. Yes. But but in the context, Marilise, I, I, I like I like checking off boxes and getting things and making sure I'm accurate. Um, in the context of, of the phrasing you use, it's really to be abandoned or be left behind. Yes. Especially at a moment or time of difficulty. 
Right. And, and that's exactly what happens, right? So it's really quite, uh, you know, fitting. Um, it's that sort of retaliation, I guess, that yes. happens. Or, or, yeah. or lack of support right. when someone is having a difficult time. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Can I just make a side comment? I would love if I came to your website and there was like a, a sound. <laughs> a roar. So this is where... This is where I, I'm hoping to, 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 to get in touch with Katy Perry one day <laughs> and get the license. We're working on her for the podcast. So we'll, right, uh, right. you know, okay. we'll see who gets it for her first. You for your podcast or us? <laughs> Please tell her to give me a call. <laughs> I would love that all day long, all day long. <laughs> Well, I think this is, I mean, this has been an amazing conversation, Marilise. I mean, thank you for, for all these fantastic insights. I think as, as we find it's, it's, it's not easy, but it's, if you take it step by step, kind of to your point, it's achievable, you know, and, and I think that kind of gets lost a lot of times. It's like, it can seem so insurmountable, but it's not. You break it down, right? You know, define what good looks like, make a plan to get there, have your milestones, and you can get there. Um, and, and it kind of sounds kind of simple, but I, I guess people kind of forget that part and, and just get lost in all the stuff. Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's with anything in life and any habits that you, if, if you look at just at your personal life and any, any habit that you're looking to develop, like a health habit, for example, yes. the best way to do it is little and often. Um, yes, yes. And I think, you know, especially with cybersecurity communications and engagements, it's so important to give people that constant reminder of, of the importance. And, but, it, but doing it in a way which is always fresh and and, you know, inspiring and new yes. um, and, and really helping people to understand the, the psychology behind it. You know, we, we, yes. at the beginning, we talked about how the brain works. You know, yes. why do we not tell people more about the reason why they clicked on a link? It's because, you know, the hackers, they tricked them because they used psychology. And this is kind of yes. the process that they went through. And it's like it makes it so much more interesting to actually understand this from a more so sort of scientific uh, perspective, right. you know. Although I have that conversation with my 13-year-old son who plays nothing but video games. And I'm like, the way these games are meant to trick you to, yes. to get you to play more. And his response is typically, I know I enjoy it. It's great. <laughs> and then the homework doesn't get done. I, I, I know your pain. I share your pain. I know. Yeah. Yeah. COVID has not been good for that. So, so where can we find out more about you and the work you're doing? We, yes. We've got the website. You've got a podcast. We can buy the book at Amazon or any local bookstore or bookseller out there. You do coaching and consulting. I mean, there's a lot here, Marilise. There is. So if you want to get in touch, you can, as I say, you can uh, get in touch with me on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is my main platform that I use, but I am on the other ones as well. Facebook, Twitter, Insta. Yes. Um, not, not quite explored the, the younger generation ones yet, but uh, I think TikTok is next on the list. <laughs> not quite ready yet to, to dance, but um, I think, yeah, I think my 11-year-old will be absolutely horrified. Um, so, yeah, but, but, yeah, you can just, you can drop me an email at marilise uh, at marilise-de-villiers.com. Um, okay. and, and then on my website, there's, there's various ways to contact me on my website too. Love it. Right, awesome. We'll, we'll include in that in so the show notes can, for everybody. Absolutely. Thank you so much. 
Dang. Well, this has been a fascinating so conversation. Hasn't it though? Yeah. I know. I love this. I could do this all day long. All day long. I really enjoyed it as well. Thank you so much. And it's so, I always love engaging with my US friends because I think, um, you know, there's a sort of a South African US connection, which is expressive. Yes. And, um, you know, sometimes it's, uh, you know, just a nice little reminder. It, it reminds me of home. So thank you oh, for wonderful. the generosity and the hospitality. Okay. Really appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, shameless plug, everybody, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, get a fresh episode delivered to your inbox every single week. Until Rachel, next we're a 4.6 on, out of 5 on iTunes. What? That's incredible. Well done. All right. Small win. Woo. We, we got to raise right. that up even more. <laughs> but that's a small victory. Very good. Yes. Very nice. Amazing. All right. Until next time, guys. Be safe. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. 